We have for our gospel reading today a classic Markin sandwich. That's a scripture scholar term for um, this. Technically, it's what's called intercalation, when you have two stories kind of told at the same time. And you start with one narrative and then interrupt that narrative to tell another narrative and then conclude the first narrative afterwards. So it's kind of sandwiching one story inside of two stories. So in this case, Jesus is coming back from healing the Gerasene demoniac, which is a very intense narrative itself, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he arrives with his disciples to this place on the other side of the sea, and there's a crowd waiting for him who's heard about all that he's doing in that area of uh, northern Israel, Galilee, healing, preaching. Um, And so this crowd presses on him, and he's walking by the sea, and this synagogue official, Jairus, asks him to come heal his daughter if he can that she's at the point of death she is about to die so he's coming with this urgency there's always in mark the gospel of mark an urgency to the stories and as he jesus says okay let's go and he starts walking and then that's when this healing of the woman with the hemorrhage happens who's been um, bleeding for 12 years and uh, so ritually impure and also physically very um, compromised and she just says if i just touch the hem of his garment and she does, and this power comes out of him, and he stops and interacts with this woman. Meanwhile, Jairus is still waiting. My daughter's about to die. And then it concludes um, where he, he ends up healing. But um, why Mark does it this way, he does this, and why it's called a Mark and Sandwich is that he does this kind of intercalation frequently in the gospel. Um, the stories obviously are connected in some way, not only by the place that they happen, but for instance, that the woman is hemorrhaging for 12 years and the daughter of Jairus is 12 years old. 12 is a significant number in the um, Bible for obvious reasons. Um, both of them are daughters, in a sense. Uh, Jairus' daughter, of course, is his young girl, is why he cares so much. But also Jesus, after the woman is healed, says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go and be healed of your affliction. So there's this tenderness that Jesus um, speaks to to this woman. Uh, just in the same way Jairus feels this tenderness towards his daughter. And both also significantly, um, both a woman with a hemorrhage and a dead body, this dead 12-year-old girl, both would be ritually impure. You know, to touch someone hemorrhaging, bleeding, or to touch a dead body would make you impure. You would have to be purified by the priest before you could re-enter the worshiping community. And yet Jesus physically touches both. Just somewhat why the woman with the hemorrhage story is kind of radical is that why she feels self-conscious when Jesus realizes what's happened because she shouldn't be touching anyone. She's impure. She's unclean. Okay, but Jesus touching her or her just brushing against the hem of his garment does not make Jesus impure. Rather, his purity, his cleanliness, his his uh, purification flows forth from her and makes her clean, makes her healed. But I will say, even with all these connections, uh, when I read the story, I sympathize with Jairus because he comes uh, with this urgent need. You know, she's been waiting 12 years trying to, to get healed, but obviously it's not that urgent. Um, she's spent all her money on doctors, but this girl is dying now, and she's young. She's 12. Um, and Jesus stops in the middle of this, walking towards the house to have this kind of lengthy interaction. Um, and so I, I always imagine Jairus is somewhat impatient, like, okay, Lord, yeah, she's healed, let's go. Uh, 
kind of reminds me there's this one of my favorite books is uh, called Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry it's this long book about not that much it's this story of this small town called Port William and Jaber Crow is the barber and it kind of just follows him through his whole life and it's around the turn of the century that he's born and he he lives through a lot of the industrial revolution the latter part of it in uh, America and he at one point gets a car he'd never had a car before and so he normally had to walk to the big town to the city if he needed something from the city and it would take him hours to get there and he'd just walk along the road and he'd run into other people who were walking back from the city that stopped they'd have a conversation everything was very leisurely um, and once he had a car then he could get there in just a few minutes and all of a sudden now he was impatient to get there he'd never been never felt that urgency before but now every time there was somebody bringing their cattle across the road and he had to stop and wait or if there was a tractor that he had to try to pass um, all of a sudden the technology made him, the ability to get there quickly made him need to get there quickly. And God knows we live in an age like this, right? A very impatient age. My phone every once in a while will just like stop doing what it normally does. And I'll be like, why is this not working? It was working yesterday. And I never stopped to to think about the fact, why does this ever work? It's a miracle that I'm able to do this stuff. Uh, There's a stand-up comic who had a, a routine about that, that he was on a plane and it was the first time ever that he'd seen there was Wi-Fi on the plane and the, the, the uh, flight attendant is announcing, oh, we have free Wi-Fi, this is a new thing. And then shortly into the flight, they say, oh, there's actually no Wi-Fi, sorry, it's not working right now. And this guy goes, oh, this is unbelievable. Like, <laughs> you didn't even know there was such a thing as Wi-Fi in an airplane and now you need it, you know. And so we, we definitely can treat God this way, treat Jesus this way, that like, why aren't you giving me what I want, when I want it, how I want it? now um but also i think there's also universally across the ages there's always in the human heart a sense that if i just had this everything would be fine if i just had fill in the blank or if god would just do this for me then i'd be good to go you know i would have arrived and we have this imagined horizon across which there's this paradise where everything's fine, like my family's fine, my heart is fine, the world is fine. If we could just get there, if God just did this. Um, And it's a fantasy, right? Of course, it's not until we enter the kingdom of God in its fullness after this heaven and earth has passed away and God restores all things in Christ. And that's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us our lives. We have to carry our cross. We have to live with Jesus in the midst of the mess. And it's a way to remove ourselves from reality to kind of like live in this. And so Jairus is, is definitely in that. It's, it's one of these crises, one of these emergencies that makes your life just like, until this happens, I can't be at rest. Until this happens, um, nothing is okay. And you can picture Jairus maybe standing there next to Jesus as he's interacting with this woman who has just had this life-altering experience, this amazing miracle that's happened in her life, something she's longed for for 12 years. And Jairus is just thinking about himself. It doesn't say that in the gospel. He's not necessarily doing that. Um, but could he also realize, like, Jesus is here, right? Whatever else is going on, he's here, and he's blessing someone else. That's okay. In fact, praise God for that. Um, however this is going to work out, with my daughter and my family and this crisis, uh, I can surrender it to him. You know, I don't need to tell him exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. He's in charge. And that's faith. 
daughter, your faith has saved you. It's to, it's to completely trust. I think sometimes, I'm speaking for myself and all of us probably, that Jesus can occupy the place of like a helpful idea. You know, like if we um, pray or do what we're supposed to do, then uh, our lives will be better and there will be some practical end for which Jesus is the means. And actually, our lives lived faithfully at the side of Christ is the means to the end of simply being with him, being in communion with him, serving him, obeying him, glorifying him with our lives. And so Jesus is not an idea. He is real, and he's really here, and he's blessing us. Sometimes we don't even know how or when the great miracle or the amazing thing is going to happen that, that really unlocks some new stage in our life. But I'll finish with this story. Priest, uh, mentor of mine, when he was before he was in the seminary, lived here in Chicago, and he was trying to make it as an actor, and he didn't have much money. He lived in a, a neighborhood that was... Uh, not as nice, but it was gentrifying. And uh, he lived in an apartment building there, and he could see the buildings going up, these luxury condos and apartment buildings and stuff. And he could just see that rent was going to go up, that uh, he was not going to be able to afford to live here anymore. He's going to have to find somewhere, somewhere else to live. And he was somewhat bitter about that. And there was this woman on the street, and she was standing outside his building, and he, he came upon her, and she was just gazing up at this huge, big luxury condominium building. And she just goes, praise God. And he goes, don't you know that what this means? Like, you're not going to be able to live here anymore. Um, she goes, no, I'll tell you what it means. It means God's still in the blessing business, and I might be next. Which is just an amazing way to go through life. Is that even though this is not mine, even though this might even mean something bad for me, like, praise God that, that someone is going to get to live in this beautiful building, you know? Uh, think what you might about that particular situation, but that disposition of heart, that's faith in Christ. That's someone who knows that she is beside the side of Jesus, that he cares for her, that he sees her, that he's blessing all of us all the time. And whatever might come in her life, um, she's not alone. Jesus is not the helpful idea that if it doesn't work out, then maybe I need to find another one. That Jesus is the one, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Can I trust in him? Can I walk with him? at the pace he's walking uh, and trust that we'll arrive where we're supposed to arrive.